All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, happy Friday. Welcome to our special episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. It's like the Real Housewives, but without the booze and the bad drama and the fillers. How's that? I have heard so much feedback about the sober moms. You guys love the stories from real moms who are in it, who are figuring out, who are maybe sober curious. They're talking about their journeys, and that's what this is. We are bringing you moms from the Sober Mom Life Cafe. All of these moms connect over there. If you want to come and join us, it's $15 a month, and you get, first of all, you get to sign up to share your story on the Real Sober Mom Chat. That link to join the cafe is in the show notes. You also get weekly Zoom meetings. You get 
Discord chat where you can chat with moms just like you all day long. Book club, you get bonus podcast episodes. It's just a huge party over there. Come and join us. And I know you will enjoy this episode of the Real Sober Mom Chats. Oh my gosh, Amy, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast, the Real Sober Mom Chats. I'm so excited to meet you and hear your story. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love the podcast. Thank and I'm you. having a little bit of like celebrity, like oh. your very important person here. <laughs> That's hilarious because you know the behind the scenes now. You know what a shit show it really is. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'm so happy you're here. And before we could talk about sobriety, let's go back. Let's talk about alcohol. Yeah. So I actually really went back and forth about whether I was going to sign up to do this, but I kept hearing you say, we need to hear stories that aren't the rock bottom stories. We need to just like normalize this. And I've, I've really felt like that was important to be a part of. So good. I did not drink in high school. Um, I was very much rule follower, athlete, like very involved, all that good stuff. What'd you play? What sport did you play? Well, I was a cheerleader and I played tennis. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And there was like, um, you know, random drug testing for athletes. And I was like terrified of getting busted, being at the wrong thing. So I just steered clear of all of that. And luckily I had a really good group of friends that also did. So we did a lot of things like I, we say all the time, thank God that YouTube wasn't a thing when we were in high school. Cause we were just running around doing stupid stuff. So stone cold sober, yeah. you know? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, you can still do stupid stuff sober. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't really, um, drink until I went to college. I guess I should back that up a little bit. My husband and I have been together since high school and he was a year older than me. And so we both went to IU, um, Indiana University, big party school. He was there a year ahead of me and I would drink when I went and visited him, but never like back in my daily life. And that was, you know, maybe a handful of times that year. So I didn't really start drinking until college. And at that point, it just felt like that's what you do in college. I mean, it wasn't even a decision that I made. It was just this is what we're doing. And so I thought a lot about this because I haven't really thought about college drinking in a long time, but I was never an everyday drinker in college. I was certainly drinking to get drunk. We all were. Totally. Otherwise, what's the point, right? You're just like, yeah, it's not like you're drinking wine and like sniffing it and being like, ooh, what is this? What is the nose on this? Right. No. We were taking warm Kamchaka shots from (gasps) under my sorority bed. What is this? Kamchaka? Kamchaka, you don't know that type of vodka? No. (laughs) I was like, what is Kamchaka? It sounds exotic. No, no. It was the cheapest thing we could find. I don't even know if that's the right pronunciation, but that's what... That's what comes to mind. Oh, I like it. Let's go with it. Okay, so we, it was vodka shots. Did you say under the bed? Oh, yeah. Sorority house. Sorority house. Had to be hidden, including our warm Diet Coke, because there were no fridges allowed. So I went to Green Bay. We didn't even have sororities. So I don't know anything about them. Okay, so you couldn't drink in the sorority house. No. But everyone was just doing it but hiding it? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Um, got it. And so, yeah, fast forward to senior year, I was president of the sorority. Oh. So I had to like go from 
hiding the Kamchatka under my bed uh-huh. to busting people that were like okay. drinking out in the open. Yeah. And there were many times that I just like walked past the door and was like, I'm right here. Like quick, put it away. Right. <laughs> you know yes. Okay. So it was kind of like the RA. Yeah. The fun police is what I like to call yes. it. Yes. And warm diet Coke too. <laughs> I'm like getting a headache just yeah, like we thinking couldn't have of fridges. this. I know. Oh, you couldn't have fridges. Yeah. In the sorority so house? all of our chasers. <laughs> Wait. Right. Wait, All of our I'm chasers getting, were warm. I'm getting this idea of a sorority like like you're like, we can't have fridges. We were like under beds. Like what? <laughs> okay. So to be fair, there was a community fridge, couple community fridges that you could put your like non-contraband items. Okay. In. Was like, Diet Coke contraband? No. Well, only when you were using it as a chaser, okay. right? So like <laughs> yes. it was for convenience sake. Got it. Got it. Oh. Like I couldn't let him know beyond to me going down to get my diet totally. Coke. Also, would other people drink it too, right? Would they drink your stuff? Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Got it. I have a very um, sad story about one time when my mom sent me a birthday cake and a bunch of drunk girls ate my entire birthday cake before I even saw it from the fridge. No. It was a sad story. <laughs> No, I thought you guys were supposed to be like sisters taking care of each other, but they were drunk. Well, okay. You know, that's true. They're like, what was your lowest (laughs) moment? They're going to be on the podcast and and I'm going to say, so was it a rock bottom moment? And you were like, you know, yeah, it was when I ate the birthday cake of my friend before it was her birthday. She didn't even get to see it. That is a low moment. Yeah. It was a low moment for everyone involved. Okay. So, you know, that was just part of it. And then honestly, the rest of it in college was like house parties. And it was like, I would say consistent Thursday, Friday, Saturday drinking because who had class on Fridays and Friday mornings and, you know, but I didn't drink every day in college. I was, you know, always in class on time, high achiever. It was just, that was the social life. So that's really when I started drinking. And then post-college, so we got, my husband and I got married when I was 23. And I'm like, who signed my permission slip? (laughs) I know, like baby, right? Yeah. But you don't feel like a baby. I mean, that's great. You knew what you were doing then. I mean. I mean. Okay. Crush mark. (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) kind of. But it's, when you're 23, I mean, looking back, yeah, like I'm 43 though. It's like a baby, but you just definitely don't feel like a baby. Right? No, I was ready. Yeah, in my mind. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we got married, moved to Chicago, lived in Chicago for about six years. And during that time, we, I mean, I call that my college extension. We had a solid group of friends from both high school and college that were also in the city, spent every weekend going out. Also, like, you know, you're there, yeah. St. Patrick's Day in the city, and like everyone's all a little shyish. Yeah, like sh- yes. Chicago's a great city to extend your party days into. Like that's what I did Absolutely. too in my twenties, and it was like if you're ready to do that, Chicago will show you the way. Hundred, <laughs> and you're not going to be alone. No, and I would say it was. It still felt very much like I wasn't making a choice. I was just doing yes. what everybody was doing. Yeah, you know. Yep. So it was sometime within that time in Chicago that I really realized like, oh, like I can have wine in my apartment whenever I want to have wine in my apartment. And I was working at an inner city school that was just really taxing. And so I started the glass of wine to calm down, two glasses of wine to chill out. And that just kind of 
continued on for many years. Yeah. I didn't ever feel like I was addicted to it. Now with all the work that I've done on what it was doing to my brain and how hard it was for me to take breaks, like I definitely was on some level, but there was no rock bottom, no like, I mean, there probably should have been like waking up hungover and like not wanting to move all day and stuff like that, but nothing catastrophic. No, I like that you bring up the addicted part too, because you know, that is I mean, so stigmatized, which I understand, but there's also, there's levels of everything, right? And everything is on a scale. And like being addicted to alcohol, it sounds, you know, we think about being, I I don't know why I always go to under a bridge, but like you think that you have just Mm -hmm. lost everything. Like you, you picture, right? Meg Ryan, you Mm -hmm. picture Nicolas Cage leaving Las Vegas, like very clearly, like actively in the depths of addiction. But if you are drinking an addictive substance on a consistent basis, there's just no way not to be addicted on some level, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what you feel like when you feel hungover and you feel a little bit shaky, like that's withdrawal, right? So you're feeling all of these symptoms. So yeah, I'm glad that you say like, well, yeah, was I? Yeah. Like I think normalizing that, that it's not this weakness in us that we're addicted to an addictive substance. Like no one is shocked if you're smoking cigarettes, you know, no one's going to be shocked when you say, well, I'm kind of addicted to cigarettes. They're going to be like, well, yeah, duh, no doy. Mm-hmm. Like they're in your <laughs> life, right? I'm trying to right. bring, I'm trying to bring that back, but I don't think it's working. I like it. Thank you. I am trying <laughs> to welcome. bring that back because nothing hits like no doy. Right. <laughs> yeah. So like – Yeah, we don't question that. Like, yeah, if you're smoking cigarettes, I'm thinking you're addicted. Yeah, it's the same with alcohol, but it's just so stigmatized. I'm like, yeah, well, you let yourself get addicted. It's like, (laughs) hold on there, Karen. If it's hard for you at all to quit drinking at all, and I, I, that's not even the right, like, when I say quit drinking, like it still has a connotation. I think back to all the times when I was like, I won't drink Sunday through Thursday. Yeah. And then I would like get through Sunday through Thursday and I couldn't wait for Friday. Right. Like I was a perfectly normal person, but I still was addicted on some level to the alcohol. You're right. Like if you just can't, if you make all of these rules and then you break them and all the, everything we do in moderation, if it's hard, it's because it's addictive. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we spent, you know, that was the beginning, my young adulthood, working, pre-kids. We were married five years before we had my daughter. And then I even, I mean, I continued the wine drinking with my daughter. I mean, there's a nice profile picture you can find of me on Facebook with my big wine glass full that says raising tiny humans is exhausting. You know, like I'm so funny and cute with my wine Mm -hmm. and my small child. So that continued. And then fast forward a little bit. Um, my husband actually decided March 6th of 2020. So just before the whole world crashed down, but like yeah. right before. Like a day before. Yeah. Like literally one week. I think our schools closed on the 13th. I was teaching at the time. So yeah. He decided to quit drinking on March 6th, 2020. Okay. And um, he had more... Um, just health reasons and, you know, all sorts of stuff, but I really felt like I needed to support him in it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to not drink either. I'm not going to drink at home either. And then the universe was like, you're not going anywhere, but home. You will only be home from here on out. Yeah. Right. So I white knuckled the first three months of the pandemic. There was no alcohol in our house. You know, we did all of that. 
felt really good. But then as soon as it got a little warmer and you could like hang out with people in pods, I found every reason to get together with my friends and drink wine and make sure I had a ride home. And, you know, I was still being this like very supportive wife with a husband who wasn't Because he was still going strong, right? Like he was like, I'm done. I'm doing this. Okay. And you were like, cool. Me too at home. Yeah. Right. I won't do it in your face. Yeah. Which is for a spouse, you know, a supportive partner. I do give you props for that because that is really good. Yeah. I mean, I still made him like take care of my, well, and at this point I had my son. So my son was born November, 2019. So we had a three month old. Okay. Yeah. We had a four year old. And so he, you know, when I would go hang out with my friends then he got to do all the kids stuff by himself until I rolled out of bed at nine, nine 30, 10, 10 30, whatever it was. Okay. Well, yeah, well, yeah. Um, okay. No judgment. So, and you know, it wasn't often, but I did find myself like when there was the opportunity, I pounced on it. But also, I think it's important to point out what you were going through, yeah. right? As like I, I know I had my baby September 2019. Okay. To have a baby, to have a toddler, to have kids in the pandemic, and that like, of course, right? Yeah. You want a connection, and and when you still had alcohol in that category, right? That this is going to help me relax or escape or connect or all of the things. I hope that you have compassion for that part of yourself and, and looking back and being like, man, was she just trying to get by and cope because as we all were, you know? Yes. Well, and like I'm leaving out some important pieces that were contributing to that time as well because I dealt with postpartum depression after both mm. of my kids and sort of expected for some reason because I had had one that like I knew what was coming with the second so it would be fine. And of course, <sighs> it hit me like 12 times harder with the second. Yeah. And then a you're pandemic. like more tired and you're more, you're right. And then the pandemic. Yeah. And then a husband who like for good reason was not drinking because yes. of things that we had been through together. So I was dealing with all of that. You know, there was just a lot going on. So I do. I mean, I have a lot of compassion for myself and also for other people who are sort of fumbling around all of this right now. Yeah. So that continued. The world slowly opened up. I continued to be what I would consider a social drinker. And honestly, like my husband sort of like reintroduced alcohol for a little while, has since decided he still doesn't want to do that. So we're we're actually both not drinking at this point. I feel like finally the stars have aligned and we're on the same page. Um, But, you know, for about a year, I socially drank, would have what I now call over drinks where I wasn't like trash, but I drank more than I wanted to and Mm -hmm. would wake up feeling like garbage. And did you have like the rules set up all of that? Oh yeah. 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 What were some, I love listening to people's rules. Yeah. Well, it was, I always had a Monday through, um, or Monday through Thursday rule. I'm not going to, I'm only going to drink on the weekends unless there's some sort of, of course, you know, like, celebration or something. Sure. Unless we go out to dinner. That was the one I held on to for the longest. That was my last rule of moderation was like, I'm only going to drink if we go out to dinner. I'm going to let myself have two glasses of red wine. That was my last rule that I held on to. Isn't that funny? It is funny. Like when once you're out of it and then you look in, you're like, oh, wow, was I twisting myself into knots and just like being like, but it makes sense because that's just what we do. Like everyone has these rules. That's why I love to hear and mine was like, you know, yeah, water in between each one. And like, oh, yeah. yeah, I did white wine only. for a while because red wine gave me headaches. But totally. then I switched back to red wine because it was better for your health. 
Yep, obviously. So, you know. And then it's like, well, no, not wine because there's sugar. So it's obviously vodka. Yeah, I went through a phase. Yeah, (laughs) we all do. And I love it so much. I love to hear everybody's rules because it makes so much sense when you're in it. And what it is is just trying to control this very uncontrollable thing. Yeah. So you're like, okay, what can I do to make alcohol what I want it to be, when yes. I want it to be that, fit it into my little box, like have it do what I want it to do, but not more. And just like, how can I control this? And then when you step out and you're like, oh, wow, yeah, that was uh-huh. just set up to fail the whole time. Yeah. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. Not going to work. Not going to fit in the box. Yes. So I did that, you know. Up until I would say like fall of 2022. And I have a sister in law. So my husband is an identical twin. That's so wild to me. That's so wild, right? Yeah, it's really cool and weird. So my sister in law, who is married to the other identical twin, she and I are very similar people. We actually were friends before they got married and taught together for a couple of years. And our birthdays are a day apart. We're like very parallel lives. It's bizarro. She and I would text like, cause you know, we're basically living the same life, married to pretty much the same person. And right. so we're always commiserating right. and texting. And, um, frequently we would text each other and I would say, Oh, well it's Sunday and I feel all puffy again. And like, I'm tired. And like, why do I do this to myself? Like yeah. I shouldn't have even drank this weekend. And typically she would write back like, Oh yeah, I know. Me too. You know, blah, blah, blah. And this Mm -hmm. one day she wrote back, you know, you really shouldn't beat yourself up about that because it's only going to make things worse. And I was like, Mm -hmm. did I text the right person? Like this this isn't what you normally say. Yeah. How did that feel? Like what did that? Yeah. How did that feel? Well, I was like, what, what are you doing? Turns out she had found this podcast Um, that she shared with me that she was listening to. And I ended up fast forward listening to this podcast. I like listened to it for six months. Um, It's called Stop Over Drinking and Start Living with Angela Masenic. Oh, how do I not know this one? Okay. I'm going to write it down. Yeah. I'll have to send it to you. So she is a life coach and I listened, just listened for about six months to her podcast. And her whole thing is about how to make your relationship with alcohol what you want it to be. So she okay. is a non-drinker. She's alcohol-free, has been for five years. And she's like, most of the time with the work that I do with people, that's where they end up. Right. But if you want to plan, you know, have this relationship, like that's up to you. She's more of a proponent yep. of what's right for you is right for you. Yeah. It's kind of like this naked mind. Like that's kind of an approach, uh-huh. right? Like this naked mind. It's like, well, I'm not going to say – alcohol is shit and you need to stop drinking. I'm going to say like, we're going to go into it like, yeah, let's make your relationship with alcohol, whatever you want it to be. And then when you learn all the things and then you do all the work, you're like, oh, I don't want a relationship with alcohol. And she's like, huh, look at that. (laughs) It was magic. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. So I listened to the podcast only. And then we had some event with our in-laws and Emily, my sister-in-law, looked at me and she was like, I signed up for Angela's coaching group. And I was like, oh, you did? And you were still drinking, right? Yeah. You were still drinking. Oh, she was too. And so that was March. And then by June, I had had another overdrink or whatever it was. And I just signed up. She does this monthly 
program that it's like Facebook and individualized coaching and like all this different stuff. You get these worksheets to fill out. It's great. And my whole intention with this program was I am just going to get to the point where I can take it or leave it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I don't want there to be any event where I feel like I couldn't imagine doing it without alcohol. And so that was my goal. Yeah. Well, fast forward, that was June and now it's December and I am now completely alcohol free. I actually (laughs) just got back from a sober retreat in Cancun with Angela. Oh, that's amazing. And a life coaching group. But I have to say, so she got me through all of the moderation and like I'm doing these planning worksheets and I'm getting this coaching and whatever there was a switch that flipped. So I started listening to your podcast and was binging. I absolutely love it. I mean, like Thank you. I've made it through, I think I've been listening to it for like three weeks and I've made it through almost every episode. So. Oh my God. That's a <laughs> lot of me. You told me the trick, the one earbud I know, one all, ear, the time, all the time, walking, cooking dinner. That's a lot of me like, in one <laughs> That's okay. (laughs) It just reinforces everything that I know. And that's why I just, you know, I'm in that, um, do they call it the pink cloud where I just want to like totally consume all the quitlet and all of that right now. That's where I'm at. That's such a great place to be too. When you're just like, it's not a lifeline. It's more of just like, you're just soaking everything up and you're like, I just love this. I want to, I want to listen to it all. I love that. I had that too. Yeah. Well, it was you that flipped the switch and it was not anything that I hadn't heard before, but for some reason, so I had already read Quit Like a Woman. Um, I had not read This Naked Mind yet. I read that right after this, Mm -hmm. but you said something in your podcast about you were explaining big alcohol and how they were targeting moms and like this is very on brand for me. Like when you do something, it takes a lot to make me really mad. But when I get really mad, Mm, then it's like, we're done. And I, in my car said out loud, when you were talking about alcohol companies marketing to moms, I was like, fuck you. Like that makes me so mad. Because who needs energy and life and support more than the, not only for themselves, but we're in charge of the next generation of humans. Yeah. And you're going to tell us to go ahead and just like be drunk all the time. Yes. I'm so <laughs> glad you got so mad because there's such power in anger and that to yes. be angry at the people who have tricked us and who are doing the tricking and like pushing alcohol, I think is like the best. I love that. Yeah. And the moms are struggling the most. Yes. Like postpartum depression and OCD and anxiety and all of those things like we that I think coupled with yes just what they know they know we need help yes they know that we're an easy target I just listened to your podcast the most recent one from today um yeah. I can't remember her name with the nutritionist who just um, Dr. Wrote the Brooke Scheller yeah yes and she was talking about how alcohol depletes your B vitamins and all this stuff. And she was naming magnesium, like she was naming supplements that I was taking while I had postpartum depression to try to make myself feel better. That then I was also drinking two or three huge glasses of red wine every yeah. night. That you were also thinking that was going to help you. Yes. Right? Yes. And it just yes. made me so mad at everybody. Like I really wish, and I probably wouldn't have listened, honestly, but I really wish my someone, a medical professional would have said to me at some point, this is going to make things worse because I was in a 
desperate enough place that I would have tried just about anything to feel better. And even if you didn't listen then, right, it's all of these building blocks and just like planting the seeds all along. And yes, just informed consent. What is what exactly? What are are we drinking? What's going on? How is this affecting our mental health, especially when we're struggling with postpartum depression? Like, what is this doing? Because I was the same. I thought it helped. I thought it helped me relax. I tell people it's beyond accepted. It's expected that you're drinking. And like, you know, I spent a big chunk of my life being a people pleaser and wanting to fit in and do all of it. So of course I was just in uninformed consent is the perfect word for it. Yes. So yeah. And then like a little, a little plot twist here in the last few months. So I started with my coach in June, July, I started like, (laughs) this is kind of sad now that I think about it. So I like, really cut back on drinking and was planning all my drinks and like only drinking maybe a couple times a week. And I was working out and feeling good. And I started losing weight and like, I lost like 10 pounds and I'm like in like a month and I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'm killing it. And yada, yada. Well, fast forward to October 1st, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes as an adult. (gasps) Oh no. And so the unexplained weight loss. Oh, wow. That. I was like, well, that's a punch in the gut. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh my God. That's scary. It is scary. Yeah. And apparently, so I wanted to specifically share this. So what I technically have is called type 1.5 diabetes, which I thought was a joke when my doctor said it to me. I was like, ha ha. And she's like, no, it's a real thing. (laughs) You're Um, like, oh, never mind. So apparently what it is, it's an autoimmune type of diabetes. And it's slow progressing. So it's the technical name is latent autoimmune diabetes in adults. And it's the exact same thing as juvenile diabetes, but it just moves a lot slower. So like my body is still making some insulin, but eventually my immune system will probably kill off those cells and, you know, all that. But most fascinating about this. So she did say, and this is my little PSA for everyone to pay attention to your bodies. She said, post-COVID, all autoimmune disease is on the rise. So if you feel off, if you feel weird, I have zero family history of diabetes, none. So just pay attention to your body um, Mm -hmm. because you might be right. There might be something funky going on. Yes. I feel like the universe really did have my back because I had been doing all of this like thought work and mental processing with my coach. And I was just much in a much better mental place to be able to deal with all of this. And then also to make the dietary changes I needed. But my doctor told me, so do you drink? And I was like, "Um, you know, socially or whatever, like not very often. And she's like, okay, well, red wine's going to be really good for you because um, it'll lower your blood sugar and your blood sugar is really high. And so what did I do all of October? I couldn't have sugar. I couldn't. I was like trying to figure out my carbs and all of this stuff. Every night, this is my one treat that I, I can mean, have. I mean, green light. Yeah. Yeah. And it was since starting with my coach, it was the most consistently that I had drank since June. Mm-hmm. I was like, why am I back to drinking a glass of red wine every night? And so then I started doing some of my own research, realized how absolutely terrible alcohol in general is, read this naked mind, did all of that stuff. So my son's birthday is November 4th. I went to my grandparents' house. We're in their 90s, and they're the absolute sweetest people on the face of the planet. My grandpa poured me a big glass of red wine, and I like took a drink of it and sat it down, and I was like, I'm done with this. Like It was post this naked mind. I was picturing like 
my organs. Like that right. sounds stupid, but I was like, they're going through so much right now. I don't need to be pouring ethanol on top of that. Right. And as much as I'm only like, what, like 30, I don't know, 35, 36 days in right now. There's not only in front of that though. That's amazing. It is amazing. I've never, I've never had that long of a stretch, but also yeah. I don't have any desire to have yes. it at this point. And that's the real magic. I'm like, I'm finally done with all of this stuff. So I'm telling you, I love these stories because this is, and you know, when you started, when your sister-in-law sent you the podcast, you said that you listened to it for like six months and it's just a long, I said in, I said in like another podcast, like, yeah, like fumbling toward clarity or something, right? You're uh-huh. just like slowly yeah. like moving toward clarity. And there's not this like day one, white knuckling, getting – it's just like all of these building blocks. Like you're just yep. to- slowly moving toward it. And then something does happen. It could be you hear something differently or you hear – right? And then you're like, yeah. oh, holy shit. And it just hits different. And then – And all yes. that work that you've done up and all the test and the trial and error has made you so you're actually ready to hear it. Totally. So you're going to think I'm Looney Tunes, but I no, have. No, I'm not. So I have the perfect <laughs> metaphor that I was thinking this winter. Oh my God, tell me. Okay. So I was like, this journey to sobriety has been like putting up Christmas lights in the front of my house because I love it's it. like, this strand doesn't work. So I need to like check the bulbs and like, mm, this configuration isn't quite right. And like, now it's really cold. So I need to go inside and take a break for a little bit and like warm up and get some hot chocolate. And then I'm going to try this and like, oh shoot, this one doesn't work. And so I need to plug this in and do that and yada, yada. And for me then it was like, I plugged in the lights and it was like, joy, happiness done. And so all of that work just to get to that moment. And now I have no, I mean, I don't know what that means for when it comes time to take the lights down. (laughs) Well, I mean, we can just just switch to a different metaphor then. We can ask Audrey. Audrey loves a metaphor. She'll she'll get one for it. She'll just cue it right up. And it kind of sucked, but like, I still kind of liked it when I was doing it. You know, like there was joy in putting it up, but the real joy came when I plugged it in and it just all became very clear and together. I love that so much. Yes. See, I don't so think you're like you're Santa Claus for me. Oh my. Is what that- <laughs> oh my God. To extend the metaphor, I mean, I'll take it. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I've never been called Santa Claus before. <laughs> I love it. I'm okay, going with good. it. I told you you think I was Looney Tunes. I uh, no, I don't. I adore you. Oh my God. No, this is such an important story to tell. I'm so glad that you I'm so glad you signed up to tell it. I mean, yes, uh, the rock bottom ones are important too, and yes. like those have so much hope and all of that. But these are the stories that just aren't told, and they're so they're as important. I want more people to have informed consent. Yes. That is that you gave me that word, but that's why I signed up to do it. It's like if yes. anyone's listening, they just need to know that like A, even if it's not a quote unquote problem, you can still stop, which I know you say all the time. It's still better for you to stop, even if it's not a problem. Yeah, cuz alcohol is the problem. Yes, and if you are curious about this, just keep being curious. Yeah. Eventually something will hit so that you you land in the place where you want to be. So just keep going. Yeah. Yes. The worst thing you could do is just be like, okay, well, you know, I'm not ready to stop. And so I'm just going to put the blinders back on. Like, no, just like keep, yes, keep listening. Keep, 
keep reading the stuff, keep doing all the, and then yeah, you're so right. It it'll click. The lights will come on. They the, will. I'm thinking about like Christmas vacation. Yeah, yes! he's like, G, 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 and he's like, <laughs> and then they yes. come on. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. That's it. (laughs) Thank you. It was so nice to meet you. Seriously, thank you for everything that you do. Um, You are changing lives. I know. I'm sure you hear it all the time, but it's really, really needed. So thank you for everything you're doing. Oh, can I say one more thank you? Please. I wanted to tell you this. I very much appreciate the $15 price point for the Sober Mom Cafe. Um, I like for me, I was like, oh my gosh, $15 a month. Like I'm joining, I'm going to do it. But I just think it's so important to make an affordable price point for people because so many of these programs are just far and away above what people can afford. So thanks for making it accessible. Thank you. Thank you. We're trying so hard to keep costs down and like, yeah, low barriers of entry. You know, you don't have to, you don't. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you for doing it. So nice to meet you. Thank you, Amy. (laughs) You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay. I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.